you got your Bible, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be reading from verse 10. This is Paul, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Here's Paul is feeling a little bit neglected, a little bit left out. He goes on and says, though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. I think he was being a little bit nice there. Right now, you may feel, you may feel overlooked. You may feel neglected. I wanna say there's a group of people here at Equipus Church who care for you. And so if you do have need in your life, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to see if we can help meet any practical needs that you may have. Please do let us know because we'd love the opportunity of being a blessing blessing to you in this time. He goes on, he says, now, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, I have learned whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Here's a famous verse in verse 13. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In this message today, we're gonna look at contentment because contentment is a tough word in today's consumer-driven culture. We're gonna do a little bit of a health check. We're not gonna test whether you have COVID-19. We're gonna see whether you have stuffitis. Uh, we're going to see whether you have a condition called affluenza. In fact, it's the opposite of contentment. Because what you've got to understand is we live in the most marketed culture in history. The average person will see 3,000 commercial messages a day. That, that means a child born today is likely to see over a million commercial messages before the age of 20. And the purpose of marketing is really to drive home two important points. Number one, you need what we're selling. And number two is you need it now. So you need it and you need it now. And we're all right with that. We're, we're happy with that. Why? Because we like our stuff. Our persistent need for stuff in our culture is so strong, it could be deemed as a sickness. Now, many people suffer from hurry sickness. They're, they're, they're in a rush all the time. One thing lockdown has done is it's slowed people down, which isn't a bad thing because some of us need to slow down and actually evaluate life. But the other thing that's going on other than hurry sickness is this, this stuffitis, this affluenza. I, I need more. I need that to make me happy. Here's the good news today. There's a cure. There's a cure for your condition. And we're going to look at it in the Bible in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul says this to Timothy in verse 17. He says, command, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. We see that all around right now. The economies are, are fluctuating. Things are going up and down. And, and he's saying, don't put your hope in your wealth. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18 says, Command them to do good and be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. 
In this way, you'll lay up treasure for themselves. You'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that is truly life, not not just half a life, mediocre life, but a full life. Command, Paul says, those who are rich. Now, now, question is, what defines rich? Uh, who right now would like to be rich? Sure, a lot of hands go up right there. Well, a Gallup, a Gallup conducted a poll where actually everybody has a different definition of rich. In fact, when, when people were surveyed, it came out that rich was roughly double the amount what the person possessed who was defining it. So, so it's double what you're earning. That's, that's what a lot of people define rich as. Uh, my hunch is that you're a lot richer than you realise. It's just that you don't feel like it. In fact, if you've got a combined household income, a combined household income of $70,000, you're in the top 1% rich in the world. Now, being that rich, you should have no problems. Uh, the stuff that the majority of the world would consider a problem, you know, we sometimes uh, 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 wouldn't consider a problem. We consider a problem like bad cell phone coverage, you know, first world problems, you know, car trouble. A lot of people don't even own a car. Slow internet, you know, or, or the problem, oh, what am I going to do on holiday? Where are we going to go on holiday? See, we can be as so absorbed in the effort to get rich that we actually no longer realise that we are rich. Now, we live in a wealthy country. If you don't believe it, in our country, most people work five days a week. Think about that. Most people have to work five days only for seven days worth of food, shelter, clothing, healthcare, and education. I know that's not everyone, but the majority work five days a week, 40 hour week for, for seven days worth of provision. And as people, we can take that for granted. What's more, there's households with three, four, five people living in them who, who send out one or maybe two people to earn the money. And with that one person's earning, they can amass enough money in five days to take care of all seven people in the house for seven days. Now, in many cultures around the world, that's inconceivable that, that we have that amount of time at our disposal for, for leisure. Uh, let's be honest. Though those examples don't prove that you're rich. But they do convince us, they, they do serve to convince us that we're not poor. And here it is, you may not be rich, but if one day you are, it's important that you be good at being rich. That, that's what Paul gives some instructions to Timothy about. He says, hey, be good at being rich because this is an acquired skill. It's like children. Wealth doesn't come with a set of instructions nor to children. And just like, like, like children, having lots of money does not make you being good, it does not make you good at being rich. Just like having lots of children does not make you good at being a parent. And there's a gap between being rich and being good at being rich. 
people who are good at being rich are the ones who are willing to admit in the first place that in fact they're rich. So uh, until you relax with the reality that you are rich, you'll never be intentional about being good at it. And this is where contentment comes in. Contentment comes in. See, see, if we've got stuffitis and, and contentment is the antidote or the vaccine, we've got to actually recognise some symptoms of this disease. Number one, number one symptom of this disease is nearsightedness. We only see what's right in front of us now. And we're blinded to the long-term consequence. See, nearsightedness brings about impatience. And how often do we make dumb decisions in, in moments, because we're impatient. You know, the whole marketing message, we need it now. You know, the sale is only gonna last till, till Monday. And, and we go out and buy stuff that, that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't like. You know, we, we see it all around. It's in the Bible called the Esau syndrome, where Esau sold his birthrights for lentil stew. He was hungry. He had an appetite and he wanted to satisfy that appetite right now. And as a result, Jacob sold him lentil stew in, 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 in a trade for, for the birthright. See, Gary Thomas says this, contentment is nothing more than soul rest. It, it's satisfaction, peace and assurance and, and it's a sense of well-being that's, that's cultivated by pursuing the right things. I wanna challenge you, instead of more power, more money, more pleasure and more control, how about we seek an abundance of grace and an abundance of peace? So let me ask you this question today. Is your soul at rest? Because in Philippians chapter four, uh, Paul cuts through the knife of our stuffitis. You gotta understand, Paul wrote the book of Philippians while sitting in prison. He had no freedoms, no privacy, no assurance, assurance that he'd ever be released. Now, this makes his comments on contentment even more powerful. This is a man who once had everything in the world. He had power, he had prestige, he had respect and he had possessions. But now he's in prison. And the Philippian church had sent Paul a messenger with a care package. And in chapter four of the book, Paul stops to thank them. However, he cannot thank them without clearly stating that God has already given him everything he needs. It's as if Paul saying, thank you for sending this to me. That was indeed a, a blessing. However, I want you to understand, you who are free and well off, that contentment isn't about the stuff I have with me. Contentment is a condition of the heart and it's in Christ. All my wants, needs and desires have already been met. And, and what does that kind of contentment do to someone? Well, it leads people to, to amazing, amazing levels of faith and assurance. We've often heard it quoted, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we often feel, forget the context in which that's written. Paul makes a statement from prison and he makes it in the context of contentment. And Paul is saying, I'm in jail 
but I have everything I need. I wonder how many of us could say that. We're in lockdown, but I have everything I need. Why? Because I have Christ and in Him, I can do anything. I can bear any burden. I can face any obstacle because I have Christ who strengthens me. It's even in the pit of prison. Paul wasn't concerned with what he did or did not have. And he certainly wasn't concerned with what anyone else did or didn't have. He he lost, lost absolutely everything, but he still had Jesus. And what he was saying in essence is Jesus is enough. How often do we suffer from nearsightedness? The second symptom of of stuffitis is unfulfilled restlessness. Again, how much is rich? Million, two million? You know, lotto, a couple weeks ago, 50 million. See, uh, we can live with the myth that someday more will be enough. Oh, we just need enough. Uh, uh, So I feel secure then. And it's this unfulfilled restlessness that, that causes us to go after stuff that ultimately won't satisfy our heart. Now, and now just quickly today, I wanna give you three characteristics of contentment. So, so number one, first characteristic of contentment, contentment simply means trusting God. In fact, if we jump back a few verses in First Timothy chapter six, in verse six, listen to what Paul says. He says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. It wasn't godliness with a whole lot of money is great gain. It wasn't godliness with fame is great gain. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we have brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Now, now some people are going, well, that would never be me. I challenge to say there's a whole lot of people who are chasing after stuff chasing after that because they love money and have neglected their relationship with God. And what contentment is, contentment is simply trusting God. Second thing that contentment is, contentment means being thankful for what you have. I I love the fact that I grew up in a family where my father didn't, you know, he had stuff, but he didn't love stuff. I, I knew it because when it came to learning to drive, he let us drive his car. He didn't go out and buy, you know, a, a banged up car for us to learn to drive. He actually let my sister uh, drive his car. And uh, let's just say, in the end, there was dents in that car. Um, may not have been the smartest move, but, 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 but even when there were dents, even when there were accidents, he didn't get really upset. Because after all, he would just go, oh, it's just a car. You know, if you have a problem with stuff is when something happens to your stuff, how, 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 how big a deal it is. Because for a, a lot of people, if they lose their stuff, their whole world caves in. 
That, that's how you know you're, you're not content. See, stuff Ida begins to beckon and, and, and we need to repeat the words of Paul. I, I know what it is to be in need. This is what Paul says. And I know what it is to have plenty. So yeah, cool, I've, I've had stuff, but, but, but I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. So he, he knows what it is to have stuff. He knows what it is to go without stuff. And he's saying, my, my soul's at rest. You know, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm full, uh, I have what, what I need. Yeah, and what we're gonna understand is, is contentment is simply just going, okay, whatever the situation I find myself in, I've got something to thank God for. I'm gonna thank God uh, for what's in my hands right now. And contentment is the ability to do that. The third thing about contentment is contentment also means giving generously in all situations. I, I like what Deuteronomy says in the message version. Verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 10, it says, listen to this, give freely, give freely and spontaneously don't have a stingy heart. The way that you handle matters like this triggers God. You're God's blessing in everything that you do, in all your work, in all your ventures. Come on, if we want God's blessing on everything that we do, we've got to look at the way that we handle money. And here in Deuteronomy, God's saying, give freely and give spontaneously. In fact, Jesus said this, as freely as you have received, freely give. Now, now studies would show that the, the more somebody accumulates in life, the less they actually give away. That's strange. You'd think the more somebody accumulates, the more they'll give away. But this is where we know that we're actually trapped because cause, cause stuff now is, it belongs to us. It, it matters too much to us. And, and what giving does is it changes our mindset. Even when we have little to give. You know, we've talked about giving a tithe serves as a reminder of ownership. It's a concrete recognition that in fact, God's, God owns it all. Psalm 24 verse one, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And giving a tithe simply demonstrates your contentment with what you have. You see, you cannot give if you aren't convinced what God's given you is enough to meet your needs. I, I bet you met some rich people who aren't good at being rich. But I, I'm sure you've met some who are. And the ones who are good at being rich is, number one, they're generous. And they knew how to t take care of money without losing it. And they weren't overcome with the delusional thinking. Instead, they possessed qualities uh, that money can't buy. In fact, uh, they may have possessed a lot of money, but, but money didn't possess them. See, being good at, at being rich begins with embracing a reality that a few, uh, quite a few, not many are, are comfortable to embrace. People who are being good at being rich are the ones who are willing to admit in the first place, they're rich. See, until you relax with that reality, you'll never be intentional at being good at it. And again, I wanna go back to Philippians chapter four and this time we're gonna read it in the message version. Because I like how it's put here. Listen to this from verse 10. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. 
happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking of me. You just had no chance to show it. Listen to what he says. Actually, I don't have the sense of needing anything personally. I have learned, again, there's that word. I, I wanna say contentment is not a place. It's not an event. It's not a certain amount of money in your bank account. It's a learned skill. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as much as much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, I wonder if we could say this, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. And here's Paul saying, man, but, but even if you didn't help, my contentment is in God. See, see, right now the world is not teaching contentment. The, the world is teaching us to take what we can get. And it's teaching us to borrow for what we want, to satisfy our desires immediately. And this doesn't present long-term solutions. Well, what it presents and focuses on is, is short-term desires. And contentment is not a short-term mindset. It's a, it's a decision. What it is, it's a decision to maintain an attitude of gratitude and a constant state of soul rest for the long-term. See, contentment is an act of choice. We can choose to be content regardless of our situations. And what contentment does is it makes us available for what God has in store for us so that we can freely say yes when He calls us to go, to give, to serve, or to do. Come on, there's a restlessness around our society right now and consumerism feeds it. But I wanna to suggest today that there's a contentment found in God where you can be at peace no matter what storm's going on around you on the outside. I believe if we live this way, even in this environment with what's going on in the world right now, we can show the faithfulness and the goodness of God. We can put God on display. Contentment is a learned skill. I wonder how many of us are on the journey of actually saying, man, I wanna learn to live that way, whatever is going on in my world. See, when we do that, it's only then and there we can look, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because my trust is not in my stuff. It's not in my circumstances. My trust is in God. Come on, He's more than enough for whatever you're facing right now. Why don't you look to Him for answers? See, in coming to God, we can be assured that God meets us in our place of need and He's able to turn around the worst of situations when we put our hope and we put our trust in Him not in our material possessions, not in our jobs and our careers, but in Him.
He's the only one who's really worthy of our trust. And today, let's find hope in Him. In fact, I believe God wants to strengthen the hearts and lives of people. People who are listening to this right now, where you're lacking strength, I believe today the Holy Spirit is gonna come and minister into your heart. He's gonna bring peace. He's gonna bring a contentment, but He's gonna bring strength into you so that you can face whatever adversity is in front of you. You can overcome every any obstacle that's before you. Come on, in Him, you can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.